So tonight, our first speaker, just two speakers tonight, our first is going to be uh, Minister Lamika Baker. Would you please come? Come on, y'all can do better than that. That's Minister Lamika Baker. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Woo. Hallelujah. Well, we're not going to literally have no turkey wings tonight, but we're going to get fed tonight, okay? Praise the Lord. All right, we're going to jump right on in, okay? Let's go to Romans 12, 2 in the Message Bible. Now, let me forewarn you. Um, this word going to help you tonight, okay? This word came out of place, out of love. Praise the Lord. Okay, Romans 12 and 2 in the message. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Hallelujah. So tonight, we're going to talk about renovate your heart and mind. When someone is hired to make significant changes in a physical space, you have a renovation. When a company is hired primarily to make a worn space look better by applying new paint or replacing worn carpets, you have maintenance, like concealer. We've mastered maintenance, keeping something in good condition, but failed to renovate. So let's identify what renovate means. It means to restore something old, especially a building, but we're going to talk about your heart and your mind tonight. To a good state of repair, synonyms, redevelop, renew, refresh, rebuild, update, upgrade, bring something up to code. Repair, recondition. So keep those definitions before you as we move along, okay? So we know that Jesus is the master renovator. He is the one that does the renovating. Not you. You just cooperate with the renovation. Now, we know renovation is going to be costly, which is why most people do maintenance, because it doesn't cost you as much. But we're going to do some renovation tonight, okay? Let's go to Ephesians 4, 17 through 24 in the message. And we're primarily going to stay in the message because it kind of lays it out very clear to us. Ephesians 4, 17 through 24. And so I insist, and God's backed me up on this, that there be no going along with the crowd, the empty-headed, mindless crowd. They refuse for so long to deal with God 
that they've lost not only touch with God, but with reality itself. They can't think straight. They can't think straight anymore. Feeling no pain, they let themselves go in sexual obsession, addicted to every sort of perversion. But that's no life for you. You learn Christ. My assumption is that you have paid careful attention to him, been well instructed in the truth precisely as we have it in Jesus. Since then, we do not have the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything, connected with that old way of life has to go. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of it. And then take an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. Okay, so, praise the Lord. Now, let me ask you this question. Would you place brand new furniture on a trash pile to sit on it? Okay. All right. Glad we answered that question because what we're going to do is, again, we're going to be renovated from the inside out. We're going to renew, renovate our mind and our hearts. Let's go to one more scripture, then we're going to get into this, okay? Ezekiel 36, 24 through 27 in the message. Ezekiel 36, 24 through 27 in the message. For here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take you out of these countries, gather you from all over, and bring you back to your own land. I'll pour pure water over you and scrub you clean. I'll give you a new heart, put a new spirit in you. I'll remove the stone heart from your body and replace it with a heart that's God-willed, not self-willed. I'll put my spirit in you and make it possible for you to do what I tell you and live by my commands. You'll once again live in the land I gave your ancestors. You'll be my people, and I'll be your God. All right. So tonight, to help us renovate our heart and mind, we need to identify a few things. So we're going to go over, because in this day and age, the body of Christ is not where it should be. And there's a reason for that. So we're going to identify some signs of a spiritual heart attack. Because when you're not able to perform at optimal level, there's a reason why. So let's talk about the natural heart attack, okay? A heart attack happens when something blocks the blood flow to your heart so it can't get the oxygen it needs. It's a medical emergency. Don't wait to see if the symptoms pass. Call 911 and Psalms 91 and 1. When your blood supply is blocked, you have a heart attack. Ask yourself, are my spiritual arteries blocked? First sign of a spiritual heart attack, fatigue. Do you feel exhausted? Fatigue is low energy, a lack of motivation, 
a strong desire, unhealthy desire to sleep. Now, you can become fatigued after a large meal, but we're not going to talk about that kind of fatigue today. <laughs> fatigue. You're always pouring out to those in your circle, but they rarely have anything to offer. It's like you have leeches sucking all the blood and life out of you. However, because of that, you feel like a teen, and you look at them as a two or a three. They'll always need you. Instead of you redirecting them to God, you direct them to yourself. You have now become their God. When you're too tired to come to church and are focused on the word of God because you give something else priority, if, if pastor preaches for 30 plus minutes, and he does, you slip into a spiritual coma, which is called sleep. Beware, you're headed for a spiritual heart attack. And it won't be long before you collapse. Let's go to Romans 13, 11 through 14. Romans 13, 11 through 14 in the message. Hallelujah. 13, 11 through 14 in the message. While they're, okay, praise God. But make sure that you don't get so absorbed and exhausted and taking care of all your day-to-day -day obligations that you lose track of the time and doze off. Oblivious to God. The night is about over. Dawn is about to break. Be up and awake to what God is doing. God is putting the finishing touches on the salvation work he began when we first believed. We can't afford to waste a minute, must not squander these precious daylight hours and frivolity and indulgence and sleeping around and dispensation and bickering and grabbing everything in sight. Get out of bed and get dressed. Don't loiter and linger, waiting until the very last minute. Dress yourselves in Christ and be up and about. Hallelujah. We're talking about fatigue. Hallelujah. Next point, signs of a spiritual heart attack, stress, and anxiety. Oh, my gosh. Are you up at night? Mind wandering all day? Can't seem to settle your soul? If so, you might be experiencing stress and anxiety. Did you know? That worrying is a sign that you really don't trust God. Anxiety says, God, you must hurry up and do something. Otherwise, I'm going to have to take matters into my own hands. You know, stress causes the muscles in the body to be in a constant state of guardedness. When you're your own guard, how can God help you? Well, don't worry. Be happy. Hallelujah. <laughs> Philippians 4, 6 through 7 in the Living Bible. TLB, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Don't worry 
about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs. Don't tell your mama. Tell God your needs and don't forget to thank him for his answers. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will keep your thoughts and your hearts quiet and at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. Okay, next sign of a spiritual heart attack, your diet. Do you eat any and everything? What happened to the fruit of the spirit? Self-control. Control your appetite. You can't indulge in everything that looks good, smells good, feels good, etc. What, sir, sir. We become accustomed to eating with our eyes because it's appealing and attractive. That's what got Eve in trouble. But we're unable to exercise restraint or self-control to say no. You can watch whatever entertains you on TV, glued to your cell phone, social media. You barely can sleep at night. Afraid you're going to miss a post and not be the first one to comment or like it. You only eat fast food. Nothing is ever nutritional. Soul candy. This leads to obesity and will slow you down until you become inactive, non-practicing. There may be no spiritual goals or no appetite or enthusiasm for spiritual things. Sin excites you. Beware of a poor spiritual diet. Don't allow the world to dictate your diet. Your diet might be one decision away between life and death. Daniel 1, 8 through 10 in the message. Daniel 1, 8 through 10 in the message. Hey, it's 2023. We should not be living doing what we did in 2021 or 1995. The world is waiting on the sons of God to be revealed. And as long as you have symptoms of a spiritual heart attack, you're not producing anything. Daniel won. But Daniel determined that he would not defile himself by eating the king's food or drinking his wine so he asked the head of the palace staff to exempt him from the royal diet. The head of the palace staff, by God's grace, liked Daniel, but he warned him, I'm afraid of what my master, the king, will do. He is the one who assigned this diet. And if he sees that you are not as healthy as the rest, he'll have my head. But Daniel, you know what, Daniel, you know the outcome of Daniel. We're not going to go there because I ain't got time. Okay, next, next point that you um, might be suffering from a spiritual heart attack. 
you're vomiting. You're in church every Sunday and Wednesday, but you can't keep anything down. You're spiritually anorexic. You have an eating disorder. It's no wonder you're lacking and things are extremely thin in your life. It's not the word, it's you. You can eat from every table on YouTube and Facebook. Have they been tested and proven? Or because they got the most number of likes, you think that's okay? Unfortunately, you keep vomiting up the word and it cannot take root. Proverbs 26 and 11. New King James, as a dog returns to his own vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. And another version it said, dogs return to eat their vomit just as fools repeat their foolishness. You can take good copious notes and do absolutely nothing with them. There is nothing to you, no substance. Therefore, you have no connection with Father God. Let's see how this worked out for the seven sons of Sceva. Acts 19, 11 through 16, NLT. Acts 19, 11 through 16, NLT. God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. When handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed on their disease. They were healed of their diseases, and evil spirits were expelled. A group of Jews was traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation, saying, "I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out." Seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this. But one time, when they tried. The evil spirit replied, I know Jesus, and I know Paul, but who are you? Now, listen. Now, that's a doggone shame. If the devil don't know your name, that's terrible. Because he said, Paul I know, Jesus I know, but who are you? Woo-woo. Praise the Lord. You know what happened the rest of the story. They got their behind, Toba. Okay. So they weren't authorized to use the name of Jesus because there was no connection. Moving on to the next sign of a spiritual heart attack. Outward appearance. Oh, my gosh. He looks so good or she looks so good. I wonder what they're doing. Could they be exercising three times a day? Or eating all the best veggies and fruits, all the leanest meats? Daniel had something on the inside that affected his outside. Beware if you're spending more time on your outward beauty and appearance than you are with the inward man. What is it are you trying to conceal under all that cracking foundation? It's time to renovate.
artificial. Superficial tends to be artificial, fake. Matthew 6, 28 through 29 in the message. Matthew 26, 28 through 29 in the message. Artificial. Has anyone by fussing, um, I want 628 in the message. Did I? Okay, so let me see here. I have something written here. It came from another part of the message, but it starts out saying, all this time and money wasted on fashion. All this time and money wasted on fashion. Yes. Do you think it takes, it makes that much difference? Instead of looking at the fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never pimp or show. Pimp, oh Lord, they never pimp either. <laughs> they never pimp nor show. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But have you ever seen color and design quite like it? The 10 best dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18 in the message. Hallelujah. So we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside, it often looks like things are falling apart on us. On the inside, we're God is making new life. Not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times. The lavish celebration prepared for us. There's far more here than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today, gone tomorrow. But the things we can't see now will last forever. Okay, so we identified, let me go back, signs of a spiritual heart attack. Fatigue, stress and anxiety, your diet, vomiting, and outward appearance. Now you find yourself in there somewhere, okay? So now we're going to discuss how to overcome a heart attack, how to overcome that spiritual heart attack. Number one, CPR. Cardiopulmonary resuscitation. That's what the world says. But that's not what we're going to do. We're going to CPR, confess, pray, and rejoice. We're going to confess the word. We're going to pray the word. And we're going to rejoice in the Lord. Confess the word. Joshua 1 and 8. Pray the word. James 5, 16. Rejoice in the Lord. Philippians 4 and 4. Media, can you please put up that picture of the heart with the band-aid on it, please? Okay, all right. Well, there was a picture I had, and it, it's a heart broken in half, and it has a Band-Aid on it. And it says, I'm broken, but the okay in the broken sticks out. You're saying I'm okay when you're really broken. Signs of a spiritual heart attack. CPR, confess, pray, and rejoice. Number two. AED, 
automated external defibrillator. That's what the world does. That's if you have a natural heart attack, but we're talking about spiritual. So we're going to acknowledge, expect, and delight. We're going to acknowledge God in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. We're going to expect God to move in our situation, Psalms 27 and 14 in the Amplified. And we're going to delight ourselves in the Lord, Psalms 37 and 4. In closing, just allow God to renovate your heart and your mind. Don't have a spiritual heart attack. It can be avoided. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, give God a hand for that word tonight. Wow. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Amen. Take care of yourself. Take care of that heart. Amen. Out of the heart flow the issues of life. So we got to guard our hearts with all diligence. Amen. Listen, uh, we have one more speaker, but I just wanted them to go ahead and put the, um, the uh, cash app information up there for Sister Lamika. And we'll show it again at the end of service. Do you all have that? Praise the Lord. Yes, no. Okay. Praise God. So you'll have that then. Uh, again, what we're doing is, is our speakers, when they come, we want to be able to bless them. Amen. Give everybody an opportunity to, to sow into their lives. Do y'all have a yes or no? Okay. All right. Let's have our last speaker, then y'all find it. All right. Uh, give Elder Jeff a hand as he comes and ministers the word of God to us tonight. You got your microphone. opportunity. Um, I want to acknowledge my wife because I usually forget to do that. <laughs> um, as Minister Baker was speaking when she started talking about the signs of a spiritual heart attack, I about had one. Because <laughs> it's like, do you have a microphone in my house or something? Like, oh, Lord. That back door started looking real good. <laughs> but God. <laughs> but God. Um, we're going to go ahead and get into this, and we're going to start uh, also in Ezekiel. Ezekiel 37. And we will read actually verses 1 through 14 in New King James Version. This text has always fascinated me, and as much time as I spent in it, I feel like I only scratched the surface. Um, it made me aware of some spiritual stuff as well as some natural stuff as it relates to the body, specifically the bones. Um, and it reads, the hand of the Lord came upon me, that's Ezekiel, and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley. And it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass, pass by them all around. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. And indeed, they were very dry. Pay attention to that. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. 
Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into them, enter into you, and you shall live. I will put sinews, sinews on you and bring, bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, I, indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them, covered them over, but there was no breath in them. Also he said to me, prophesy to, to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds. O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them. And they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. The whole house of Israel. They indeed say our bones are dry. Our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves. O my people, and brought you up from your graves, will put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land, then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. Um, I want to talk for a few minutes from a subject or a title or a topic. God restores. God restores. Um, like I said before, this, this has always fascinated me about these dry bones. Um, because it's like, what's the significance in these dry bones? But the more you study it, the more you get revelation of it. You, I became, I mean, I began to realize that these bones in this text was representing the house of Israel, all of Israel, all God's people. And I put some interesting facts in here, um, but I'll just say it rather than get hit. You know, I just learned recently that there's approximately 206 bones in the human body. And at birth, there's even more. It's, it fluctuates so much as far as who's saying it, so it could be up to 300 bones or more. So there's a lot of bones in the human body, and over the course of time, those bones begin to fuse together. So that's where we go from the childbirth down to the human or the grown, the adult, where there's not as many single bones. So as I pondered on that, it's like, well, how can I understand that or relate that to the church? There are so many people in the body of Christ and all of them have a function or a calling on their lives. So every bone in the body is important and useful, such as every person, every believer that's in the body of Christ is useful and has a purpose. So there's, no, there's nothing insignificant about any bone or any part of the body of Christ. It's all important. It all has something to do. And when we look at the bigger picture, you know, we, we, we know that we're in the end times. And, and, and what's what made this come alive to me is that early part of this year, I believe it was, that our man of God prophesied that this is a year of restoration. 
So when you think, when I think about restoration, I, I liken it onto a car, you know, an old car that somebody has that's been sitting for years and years and years. And then over the course of time, you know, it starts to break down and, and deteriorate and all these kind of things just from sitting there and being affected by the atmosphere. So in order for that car to be restored, truly restored, it has to be stripped all the way down. I mean, take all the paint off, take all the rust off, take all the raggedy seats out, redo the engine, redo the transmission, tires the whole thing. Because you can't restore something if you don't do it from the beginning. Because then it becomes that concealer where it's just covering stuff. You know, we go, I made the fatal mistake of having a, a, a car for work, and I took it down there, I won't call it a name, down on 9th Street and 9th Avenue North. <laughs> <laughs> and I paid good money for them to make that car look brand new. And when I got it the first time, I saw all these imperfections. And I sent it back. They did it again. Imperfections. I sent it back. They did it again. Imperfections. I quit. Because I realized they were not willing to do what was necessary to bring my car back to the point that I asked them to in the beginning. And much like in the body of Christ, there are times in our lives when we're faced with something where we need restoration in our lives, but we're not willing to put the work in. But thank God that he restores. And more importantly, we want God to restore us. Because the restoration work that we do is going to come up short. Because when God restores you, he restores you from the inside out. He don't take your Chevy engine and put it into a Ford. He restores you to the original design that he created you to be. Okay. The bones in the human body have, <laughs> I started to leave this alone, but um, has a lot of major functions that I had no idea they did. One is pretty obvious. It supports the body. You got to have a structure or a frame to support the body. It also facilitates the movement your body makes. It has, it has something to do with that. It protects internal organs. It produces blood cells. It stores and releases minerals and fat. And my wife, thank God she's in the medical field because I'm like, Whew. endocrine regulation has a lot to do with the calcium for your bone strength. It helps regulate that. Because in my life, when I think about a bone, I just think about something hard, you know. I just, you know, I don't see that much in it, you know. You know, doing blood cells and all this kind of stuff. I never thought that about a bone. I didn't understand the significance of our bones. I didn't understand the significance of the body of Christ. I didn't understand. I'm going to go there, too. I was not going to go there. After my sister did it, but I'm going to do it. Um, I'm going to do it. Um, we're going to go to Romans 2. 12, too, excuse me. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, let's do Romans 12, too, in the Passion, please.
stop initiating the ideas and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and, protect and perfect in his eyes. I know one, it's been last year or sometime, it's just like we were having, I was here during prayer, morning prayer on Wednesday, and uh, we were talking something about this, and I don't remember why we were talking, but I just remember what popped out spiritually to me is that you can have, um, you can have a, a particular brand of a vehicle, and you can decide you want another brand of a vehicle, but you've convinced yourself that you're not capable of getting that, so now you want to try to modify what you got to make it look like what you want. <laughs> we see them all around town. They put all these kind of kits on them, all that kind of stuff. They look like they got wings to fly and all that because they're trying to make it look like something that they want, but they don't have the original. So, so when, we, when we look at this in Romans, it says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And you cannot be transformed if you think the same way, if you're doing the same things. You, that's not transformation. That's very short of transformation. So when you are renewing something, which, makes, which means making it new, everything about it needs to be new. You can't have the old stuff. So however you were thinking before you decided to renew, you got to get rid of that. Because if you don't get rid of that, you're just adding on to what you already have. So now you're making a freak with the way you think. It's not right. It's not renewal. Goes back to what I said in the beginning. There's times that we know we need to be transformed. We need to be changed, but we don't want to do the work. We don't want to give up that man. We don't want to give up that woman. We don't want to give up those things that we're doing that we know that's not right. I talked to a dear friend um, the other day, man of God, been in this a while, and his conversation is like, oh, are you, you still saved? Because the things he was allowing, willing to allow to be in his life, the things he was not willing to cut loose from or to give up, and at the same time in that conversation, he was talking God, talking God, talking God. It started to irritate my ears. It's like, wait, wait, wait. How can you say God in one word? And you say something worldly and wrong in another word, in the same sentence. That does not match. That does not make any sense at all. That does not make any spiritual sense. It might make some crazy human sense, but not spiritual sense. In fact, when we talk about Ezekiel 37... This is more of a spiritual restoration than a physical restoration. Now, the physical happened, but it was about a, it was about a, a spiritual restoration. And we need to grab hold to that. Because I, when I first started reading this, I got excited about the whole concept of, you know, these dry bones in the valley and all that happened, all that kind of stuff. Wow, that's amazing and so forth. And it is in and of itself. 
But the truth be told, if you don't get deeper, if you don't go past that, if you don't get the, the spiritual concept of what God is doing here, then we'll miss it. And then what happens to us in life, when we walk through life and we face situations where we need restoration, we will not know how to go about getting it because we don't first understand it. You have to understand what God is saying when he's saying spiritual restoration, when he's saying restore. You have to. And the most important, the valuable piece that I will tell you tonight about that is you have to let him do it. Have to let him do it. Because if you don't let him do it, then guess who's doing it? Guess who's in the mess in the first place? A mess trying to correct a mess. That's just a mess. And we have to understand that. But what's, what's really important, we're going to jump back real quick. We're going to actually go back to Ezekiel 36. Excuse me. We need to understand how these people became dry bones. What happened? What happened? Because a lot of times we end up in a dry bone situation. We don't realize or understand how we got there. Ezekiel 36. We're going to do 16 through 23. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, to Ezekiel, saying, Son of man, when the house of Israel dwelt in their own land, they defiled it by their own ways and deeds. To me, their way was like unclean, the uncleanness of a woman in her customary impurity. Stop! Just want to... Marinate on that a minute. How God saw this. This was not something simple, at least simple in the way we think. This was something major to God. We're going to find out why. Therefore, I poured out my fury on them for the blood they had shed on the land and for the idols which they had defiled it. So I scattered them among the nations, and they were dispersed throughout the countries. I judged them according to their ways and their deeds. When they came to the nations, wherever they went, they profaned my holy name. When they said of them, these are the people of the Lord, and yet they have gone out of his land. But I, concern, I, but I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations, wherever they went. Therefore say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which you have profaned among the nations, wherever you went. And I will sanctify my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst, and the nations shall know that I, the Lord, that I am the Lord, says the Lord God, when I am hollow, sanctified, and you before their eyes. God's own people went about profaning his name. Wherever they went, it didn't matter. They lived lives that were just full of sin. 
and full of disobedience to the point where when God released his fury on them, they were scattered abroad and in the valley, they died. They died. They were there for a very long time. And a lot of times I believe we don't realize the things, the very simple things that we do sometimes are not simple in God's eyes. That's against God. We don't see it that way. We don't perceive it that way. We figure in our smart selves, we figure that um, well, if I just do this, it ain't no big deal. You know, or I can be like Catholic and just ask for forgiveness and be all right and keep on down the road. Like, you know, it's not going to be counted to me because I've asked for forgiveness and so forth. But here, clearly, there's just some things you just don't do. Because God has a way of dealing with you, reckoning with you. And you'll find yourself in a situation where, you know, no matter how hard you try, you just can't get out. You can't come up. You just can't. And then, because you're not being completely honest with yourself, this is what we do. This is a script that we say. Well, I go to church. I pay my tithes. I work in the ministries. And I'm there every time the church door is open. And yet, I can't come up. I can't get a break. Why is this happening to me? I pray. And God's not speaking to me. Why should he? You know what you did. Why should he? <laughs> and God gave us, gives us a way to bring correction that we may be in a position to be restored. In First John 1, 9. But do you always confess your sins? Do you really? Just think, don't answer. Don't raise your hand. Just, just, do you always really confess your sins? Or do you say what you think you need to say to get out of what you're in? Because when you truly confess your sins, there's a sense of com conviction about the sin. It, it's not just let me say this so God will let me out of this. It's let me say this so I'll come correct before my God that he will restore me yes. to right standings with him. Yes. Right. <laughs> it, um, it, it, it simply amazes me um, when you when you first start with yourself, it simply amazes me um, how, um, and I think I was listening to this message where Pastor preached um, about um, guaranteeing prosperity in your life. And um, it, it amazes me how we, how do I say this, Lord? <laughs> it amazes me how we don't take the word serious within first internalize it so that you begin to understand it and how we quickly react to it and we do what we think we need to do we've not heard a word from God of how to implement these things mind you 
And that's why I love it when he talks, and I, I have to beat myself sometimes, but I love it when he says things like, you know, um, have you listened to this message again? You need to listen to it over and over again, and so forth. Because, you know, when you actually do that, and you start wanting to listen to it more than the second or third time, and, and during that process, you begin to get these revelations and all these revelations, you get these downloads inside of you, and then all of a sudden, now you begin to understand more about what you read in the Bible, and it's not just a reading, it's actually a study of the Bible, and it's actually an impartation into you. Why am I saying all that? <laughs> because of the way we do as believers. We don't do that. We don't do it. And it's, it's funny. I, I get the advantage that I'm back there. He can't see my face. But he can see y'all face. When he's asking you stuff, he can see your face. He reads your mail. I'm just telling you. I'm telling on you. He reads your mail. So when, when the time comes and a question or a statement is made and there's an expected response and you don't have it, then it's clear to him you don't know it. You don't know it because you didn't put the time in to know it. And then when we become, when we become like the valid dry bones and we're looking at our situation and we're looking over it and it's like, there's just no way. I mean, my bones are extremely dry. I'm spiritually weak or, I, or, 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 or in this case, I'm spiritually dead. And how, how, how can a dead man bring himself back to life except for Jesus? Why do we wait to the point of death? In spiritual death, it usually don't happen instantaneously. It's over a course of time, gradually. You get to a place in your life spiritually where you're trying to do everything right. You're honestly trying to do everything right. And then when that, excuse me, y'all, guys, when that tenderoni come by, ladies <laughs> well you know what I'm saying <laughs> I use that I use it because there's so many other things so many other areas in our life but I use that because that is so real even today so real even today where you're walking upright, spiritually speaking, and something or someone comes along in your path, and all of a sudden it causes your mind to spiritually pause and consider what you're seeing or what you're hearing. And in that moment of pausing, you don't really see harm because you figure just like an addict, oh, I can just do this whenever I want. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not under control, you know? You know? You know, I I can stop at any moment now. I mean, 
And, and that is the farthest thing from the truth there is. Because if you could, you wouldn't have done that in the beginning with you. That, that could have come in your path. That could have come to your ears. And you would have been rebuking that thing. You would have been taking those thoughts captive. But know that you're on your way to a spiritual heart attack when you pause and consider something that you know is not godly. We have so much to gain in God, but we also have so much to lose by not living right, by not living according to the word and according to his ways. Something our pastor said also some time ago that I hold on to, and he said, you know, and I don't remember exactly how he said it, but basically he was talking about how we need to be dumb sheep. My words are so that we can be led by the shepherd. Because until we become dumb sheep, until we become submissive unto the, the authority and the voice of God, we will have a mixture of conversations going on. Instead of the one and only conversation that we need to always have, and that's with him. And we get so thick-headed and so roughneck about it, which is crazy. Somebody can't tell you anything spiritually for your benefit because you think you know better. There's no correction for you because you're not really doing anything wrong or it's no big deal. It's not, it's not bothering anybody else. But, but I thought you were part of the body. I thought, I thought we were one with Christ. So you mean I can be one with the body, I can be one with Christ, and I can live this outside life and it's not going to impact anybody? That's why we need God's restoration of our lives. Because that's the only way to get rid of all them crazy thoughts that we have. And all those misunderstandings. And those downright disobedient ways. Because, think about this. Any and everything you've ever done that's disobedience in your life never came from God. And, and let me help y'all out. Stop giving the devil all that credit. The devil made me do it when I was in the 70s. You do what you want to do. Because you and I, we have a free will.
We understand the word says that there's two masters. You're going to serve one or the other. Ain't no master in the middle of the street. There's one down here and there's one over here. So you are either here or there. You need to figure, we need to figure that out. Where are we? Who are we really serving? Anytime it becomes about self-gratification, let me help you check this box. You're serving the... Figure out, figure out through time with the Holy Spirit and the Word, figure out where are you? Where are you really? Where are you spiritually? Because until we figure that out, we'll just be running along with the flow. Trying to be like the person who seemed like they got it together spiritually. Trying to emulate somebody who's doing something that you're not doing. Let's to figure that out. We need to know. The hardest thing I think, the hardest thing I know that we do is trying to be somebody that we're not. And be honest with ourselves. If you are not, if I am not spending time in the word, if I am not spending time in prayer, I must confess that and get that right. And watch this. Don't be a part-time. A part-time asker of forgiveness. What do you mean? You know you did wrong. You know you need to be forgiven of something. And you actually try to go before the Lord and ask for forgiveness. So, and you, you do it. You actually ask for forgiveness. But then it does not take long before you go and repeat what you just asked for forgiveness for. There's no... There's no accessibility for restoration in that. It's, it's as if you go to the door and you say, Lord, come in. And as he comes to you, you close the door. And at the tip of that is fear. We allow fear to come in when it's time for change or correction or restoration in our lives because we are concerned or we are afraid of what will have to take place for this to be a success. I think back in my younger years, and I've said this before, you know how uh, some of my family members were speaking over me about preaching or being a preacher and all that kind of stuff. And so I was young when they started asking, like, yeah, okay. And as I got older, I kept hearing, I kept hearing, I kept hearing it. And it's like, that just ain't me. I got to give up too much. I got to give up too much for that, you know. I actually saw it as, you know, stuff you see on TV, how you, and I don't know why, but I related it more to priests than anything as far as what it looked like their lives were like. 
that I had to give up all the fun I was having, hanging out with these idiots I was hanging out with, and all this kind of stuff. I felt like I had to give all that up. But when I finally, no, when he finally allowed me to come to my senses about him, I began to realize, man, please let me hurry up and get this off me. In order for God to come into our lives and to bring restoration, in order for him to bring correction, in order for him to get things right, there's so much stuff we need to let go and get rid of. We have to make room for him to come in. Don't try to squeeze our big God onto the bicycle that we ride. Make room for him. Invite him not only into our cars, but into our homes, on our jobs, in our relationships. Invite him everywhere we go. And be more concerned, be more concerned about him than anybody else or anything else. We don't want God looking down on us as a mess, a messy mess. And the worst thing you could do to yourself is take a man's word over God's word. Want restoration? Get right with God and make room for him to come in. Amen.